You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is Doors Are Easy. (laughs) Doors are easy. We've been moving into our house. And for painting and different things that we've done, we took off every door in the whole house. And um, we've been living there since Easter. And at the beginning of the whole process, we were trying to figure out what we were doing, how we were going to do things. Uh, And my mother-in-law made this statement before we ever did any construction or anything. As we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, she made the statement, doors are easy. We've been in the house since Easter, and me and Mr. Jim finally put up the last two or three doors yesterday, as I found out that sometimes doors aren't the most easiest. Yesterday, as we were shaving the door down, as we were taking all the guts out of it, so we were literally cutting up credit cards to try and get a shim in one of the parts of the door so that it would actually close correctly. But doors are easy. Today I want to talk to you about a door that truly is easy. We've talked about over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I feel like God is bringing us down this path of, of speaking about the different I am verses that Jesus spoke about in John. We talked about the very beginning that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Where Jesus says, I am, that word resurrection means to stand up, and your recovery. I am your stand-up, and I am your recovery. I am your resurrection and your life. That whatever you need right now, if you don't think that you can make it, if you don't think you can get out of bed, if you don't know how to overcome anything, Jesus right now is your stand-up to help you stand up and help you recover whatever has gone on in your life. He is your stand-up and your recovery. Last week we talked about Enjoying the journey. Jesus makes a statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. The Greek word there is the journey. I am the truth. He's our direction. He tells us where to go. And he's our life. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That Zoe life. Living life to the complete fullness. Today we're going to talk about Jesus saying, I am the door. In John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10, we'll start jumping in the middle of the story and we'll kind of walk around it. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Here's our I am statement, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief, John 10.10, we've heard this scripture before, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have more abundantly. So we're in the middle of this story, so we've got to do some backtracking. In John chapter 9, Jesus is walking by And there's a man who's been, it says, blind since birth. And the disciples ask, who sinned? Did his mommy and daddy sin or did he sin to be blind? To be blind since birth. And they're asking if the boy, the baby, sinned somehow in the womb 
so that he would come out blind? Or did his parents sin? Remember, they're still under the old covenant. And the old covenant is you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. So their process at this moment is somebody did bad for this boy to suffer. Jesus corrects them. Says it's not because of sin. He spits in the ground, makes some mud pies, slaps them on his eyes. It says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He goes and does that, and he can instantly see. And all of a sudden, people start talking. They say, wasn't that the boy that was blind since birth? Yeah, I think that's him. It looks like him. Something's happened. Something's changed. And they bring him in front of the Pharisees, bring him in front of the people at the temple, and they start questioning him and grilling him and asking him what happened. Because they weren't even that excited about the healing that happened in his body. They were more concerned that he did work on the Sabbath. How dare you disobey the laws of God and go and splash water in your face and walk too far. How dare you disobey the rules and totally bypassed the miracle that was happening. And they kicked him out of the temple. The bottom of John 9, Jesus finds him and he says, Do you believe or do you know who the Son of God is? He says, I, I would love to meet him. He says, Well, the one who healed you is him, and the one who stands before you is he. And he says, I believe. And it says he fell down and worshiped. That not only did Jesus save his body physically, but then saves his soul right after that. And then we see Jesus having this conversation with this man. And then the Pharisees start coming, and then a group starts coming. And the Pharisees start questioning Jesus and saying, uh, well, if he, because Jesus makes a statement that he's come to set those who are blind free, and those who can see turn them blind. The Pharisees say, hey, are we, are we blind? Is that us? Jesus is like, well, if you're saying so, I guess. And they start asking, and then Jesus goes into John chapter 10 on this long parable where he starts talking about being a shepherd, starts being a door, and that's where we pick it up. And Jesus tells the Pharisees, and the Jews around them, he says, before I came, all that was before me were thieves and robbers. I believe it's verse 8. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. As I started reading this, I thought, well, that's kind of harsh, Jesus. Everybody who came before you. But it makes sense if we look at it from Jesus' perspective. If you give me a couple minutes, I'd like to teach you something. The word thieves there means an embezzler. It means false teachers who do not care to instruct, but abuse their confidence for their own gain. The word robbers there means a robber or a plunderer. You see, Jesus is speaking on multiple levels. We're about to see how scriptures have multiple levels here. He's speaking on different levels about different thieves and robbers out of a level of frustration where the law has become more important than Jesus and God. The Pharisees 
are more concerned about them disobeying the law than the miracle and the encounter with Jesus that they can have right there. And Jesus, in his frustration, calls everyone before him thieves and robbers. Because Jesus, who is God, and in this story is God, is frustrated that man would care about their rules and their laws over an encounter with him. Because God has always been about getting us back to the relationship. He's always been about getting us back to the Garden of Eden. He's always been about getting us back to the correction of what Satan did to humanity. Walking at the cool of the day. Spending time. We'll go back to where Jesus and God get frustrated. Exodus chapter 19, verses 10 through 13 is where we're going to read. The Israelites have just left Egypt. Moses has brought them out. It says in there, there was not one feeble among, among them. They pillaged everybody. Remember the last? We have them leaving right after the angel of death goes through, the camp, through Egypt and kills all the firstborn. And, G, and God tells Moses, hey, tell everybody, knock on the doors as you're leaving and take everything that they have. So as the Egyptians are, I mean, as the Israelites are leaving, there's wailing going on throughout the entire country. And the Israelites knock on the door as the parents are holding the babies. They say, hey, I know there's a lot going on in your life, but you see, can, you see that gold vase back there? I really like that. Could you get me that? I really love those rings. And it says that they pillaged Egypt and they were instantly all healed, not a feeble one among them, as they walk out. They walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. They're hungry. God sends food from heaven, homemade bread, made by angels or Jesus himself, fresh loaves, throws it out there, brings water from a rock, and he says, hey, I want you to go to the mountain, Mount Sinai, and worship. So here they are. They've gone through all these things, all these miracles, all these signs, all these wonders, and now they're here to worship their God. Here's God giving instruction to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around saying, Take heed to yourself that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch them. But he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Amen? Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. So God's plan is, we've gone through all these miracles together. We've done all these things. I'm going to come down on the mountain. Don't touch the mountain. But I'm going to come and see all the people. And when you see me come down on the mountain, don't touch it. You're going to die. But I want you to come as close as you can to the mountain. And I'm going to talk to you. That's God's plan. Going back to the relationship. 
going back to, I want to be with all of you. I want to hang out with all of you. We just had this amazing miracle, this amazing thing happen. I want to be with all of you. I want to meet you. I want to greet you. I want to love you. I want to be on the mountain. I want to talk to all of you. Moses tells that to everybody. He's about restoring the relationship. In Exodus chapter 20, let's see these people's responses. Now all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and what? Stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. Does this make the people run to the mountain? Mm -mm. Verse 20, so the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. And the very next verse is the law. Do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't do this, don't do that. God said, okay, I want to be your God. I want to be there with you. I want to talk with you individually. And mankind said, no, 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 you go, Moses, get as many rules as you want, come back to us and tell us what to do and we'll follow those. I would rather rules and law and be taught what to do and not do than have an encounter with God. And God says, okay, if you want rules and you want laws, here's Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Here you go. Follow all these. And here's Jesus, God himself, still dealing with the same exact thing in this story. As he's standing there with a man who is blind from birth, heals him, And the Pharisees are saying, you broke the rules. You broke the law. The law says you can't walk that far. The law says you can't wash, splash water in your face. And here is Jesus, frustrated. said, everything that came before me were thieves and robbers. These thieves and robbers, as he's looking at the Pharisees, he's calling them thieves and robbers. The Pharisees believed that the Torah, or the first five books of the Bible, was the law, but they also thought, hey, we can interpret it a little bit better, and then we'll pass that down to the common folk. God says this in the Torah. We'll read it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't don't do this. Rest on the Sabbath. Okay. We're going to tell you how you actually can rest on the Sabbath. That means don't do this. Don't walk this far. Don't do this. Don't cook that. Don't do anything. We'll interpret it that way. And then the Sadducees, they didn't even believe in the resurrection. They believed that once you died, you died. They didn't even believe that a Messiah was coming. Jesus is standing here looking at them, calling them thieves and robbers. He's talking about the false messiahs who had come before and came after and who are going to eventually come again. Who come up saying, I'm the Christ, I'm the one who can save you. I know Jesus did this and Jesus did that, but I'm 
the true Messiah. I'm the one who can change you. He's even talking about the forefathers, not the American forefathers, the biblical ones, not Abraham Lincoln and Washington, Moses, the prophets. He's even talking about them because they were accomplices to this law. He said, because all this law did was push people away from God. Jesus is standing there as he makes this statement that everybody that came before me were thieves and robbers, but I am the door. I am the one that brings you that access. In Hebrews 8, verse 7 through 13, we see the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We also see in this passage, it's referencing, the writer of Hebrews is referencing other verses, other passages from prophets in the Old Testament. Because God was trying to get through the prophets and the forefathers, hey, there's something coming that's better. This Old Covenant is just a temporary thing, but there's something that's coming that's better to restore the relationship. Verse 7 of Hebrews 8. <clears throat> for if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them. Who found fault with the old covenant? God found fault with it. He says, he is capitalized, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judea. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Verse 13, in that he says a new covenant. He made the first one obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Jesus said, I made, God says, I made an old covenant with them because they didn't follow that. I disregarded them. I disregarded the whole thing. So now I'm going to make a new covenant and I'm going to do it my way. And how is God's way? Is it more rules? Is it more regulations? Is it more people telling you what you should and shouldn't do? No, he says, I'm going to write my laws on your heart. I'm going to remember your sins no more. I'm going to bring you righteous. I'm going to make you grace. I'm going to bring all of those things to you. Because I tried to do the first covenant, and it didn't work. Mankind took it and ran with it. I'm just going to go ahead and disregard that, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to send my son. <coughs> Excuse me. He said, everything was before me was thieves and robbers. But I'm coming to create something new. 
And as it just so happens that the scriptures are funny like that, in Mark 15 through 27, <coughs> he could have died surrounded by any type of criminal. He could have died surrounded by murderers. <coughs> he could have died surrounded by adulterers. He could have died surrounded by any kind of criminals. But he dies between what? Two robbers. Just so you can understand, I love when the Bible just comes together. Everything before me was thieves and robbers. He says, now I'll die with them. I'll die with those thieves and robbers, and I'll come back alive with a brand new covenant because I am the door. Let's go back to our original passage, John 10, uh, maybe verse 8. Uh, no, let's go to verse 9. <clears throat> we just covered that one. There we are. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. <coughs> Come on, boys. Hold out for me. <coughs> I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. We talked about this last week when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now Jesus makes the declaration that I am the door. He is continually confronting and getting in the face of the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and he's getting in front of our face today that he is the only way to get to God. The only way. You want to get to him? Got to come through me. I didn't say it. Christianity didn't say it. Jesus is the one who makes that distinction. He is the door. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Notice what happens when you enter the door. In verse 8. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he or she will be saved, will go in and out and find pasture. It doesn't say that when you come in the door, you're going to find condemnation. It doesn't say when you enter the door, that you're going to find rebuke, anger, frustration. Well, it's about time you found the door, kid. I've been here all this time. You? You're going to knock on my door? <sighs> you need to go a couple doors down, buddy. It says when you enter that door, you will be saved. And he'll bring you to pasture. What's a pasture? A place of rest, a place of recovery, a place to eat, a place to relax, a place to enjoy. But you'll find pasture when you enter. It's not more rules when you enter the door. 
Thank you for coming in the door. If you could take your shoes off. If you could roll your pants up so you don't get mud on the floor. If you drop anything on the floor, we're going to kick you right out. Don't slam the door too loud. Be gentle with it. You can only come in. We will kick you out if you do break. No, 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 no. Jesus says, I'm the door. And when you enter, you'll be saved. Come find pasture. His yoke is easy. And his burden is life. There was a game show a while back. And one of the games that they had was like uh, three levels, three walls. And it had like four or five doors on each wall. It was one of the games of this game show where the individual would come up to the wall, see the four doors, and he had to make the decision which one he was going to run through. Only one of them got him to the next wall. The other two, the other three were barricaded. So the guy would line up, look at the doors, take off running, slam right into the wall and bounce off. And the next guy would come up. He'd stand and he'd look at the doors and he'd have to put, and he'd take off running and he might break through and get through one of the doors. He still had two, three do- walls to go through. Then he had to look again. What, what door am I supposed to go through? He'd run as hard as he could. Boom, hit the wall. Oh, sorry, you lost. Kick you out. You're gone. Very few and far between would get to the first wall and guess the door correctly. They'd get to the second wall, and they'd run through the door, and they'd get it correctly. And then they'd get to the third wall, and there's more doors, and they'd get through correctly, and then they'd celebrate. See, I think a lot of people in Christianity encounter that same idea of what they think the door is. Because of who they are, they think, well, if I run to that door, if I run to Jesus, he might reject me. He might push me away. Or I might get through the first door. But then there's going to be another door that, that I've got to get better at. I've got to be a better Christian. I've got to overcome. I've, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Finally, we get through the second door and we think, oh, this Christianity thing's so hard. It's so long. Oh, there's another door. It's another door to Jesus. Oh, I'm done. I'm done. This is too hard. But Jesus says, I'm the door. If you just enter this one door, you can come to pasture. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you think. You will be saved and you can find every promise and every blessing that Jesus has. He's the door. And I'm finishing with this. Verse 10. We've heard this scripture preached before. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, to destroy. I have come that they may have a life and that they may have more abundantly. You're actually reading it in the scriptures, in your Bible. That word it is italicized. <coughs> in the original transcript, in the original writing, in the original manuscript, that word wasn't there. The people previously who were writing these different translations, when they read it, they assumed that Jesus was talking about life. I have come that they have, may have life and that they may have it being life more abundantly. But that's not actually how the original transcript was written. It is italicized in your, in your Bible. It should be. It wasn't there in the original. So Jesus is making a distinction. He's telling you that there's two things that he wants to get to you. 
I have come that they may have life. That's that word Zoe again. This is the third time in three weeks. Maybe we should understand the beautifulness of Zoe life. The state of one who is possessed of vitality or is of the absolute fullness of life. And that they may have more abundantly. But we don't like that. We don't like people having more and more abundantly. So we put in the word it. Well, he meant life, more abundant life. No, no, he meant life and more abundantly. So there's a website that I use that's called, um, and if you're taking notes, you can write it down and check it out. It's called scriptureforall.org. The word scripture, the number four, all, A-L-L, dot org. And you can go to the area where it talks about the Greek manuscript and the Old Testament writing written in the Hebrew, the Hebrew manuscript. So it tells you exactly what the original manuscript says. And it's very choppy, it's very hard, but it also has um, the Strong's concordance numbers over each word, just exactly what the writer wrote. Let me tell you what this scripture says in the original manuscript. And you can go to the website, type in John 10 and see it, John 10.10. The thief, not is coming, if know that, He should be stealing and should be sacrificing and should be destroying. Here's why it doesn't fit right here to say that I've come to give life and life more abundantly because here's what he says. I came that life they may be having and excessive super abundantly they may be having. The original manuscript. Difference. Excessive super abundantly. Second Corinthians 3, 4 through 6. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from who? It's from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. The new covenant, not of the letter, the old covenant, but of the Spirit. Here it is. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You see, the Scripture here, we talk about the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We always talk about that as the devil. And that is one way to interpret the Scriptures there. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We use this, we talk about the devil. But in the context of the whole passage, it's not actually talking about the devil coming to steal, kill, and destroy. If we look at the whole context where he's talking about the thieves and the robbers being the old covenant, being religion, being works, being all those things, that is what truly kills, steals, and destroys us. When we believe that we have to follow these rules and these regulations like the Pharisees were doing, when in the moment of that, there was a miracle happening. And they completely bypassed the relationship with God. They gave No care to what Jesus did or what he was saying. They just cared about the rules and the regulations. That's the thief that steals and kills and destroys us. And it's destroying the church today. But Jesus being the door. So I came to give life. And I came to give more abundantly. As I close and as I finish. Would you come play for me? Let me tell you what that word more abundantly 
means. It got me excited. Maybe it'll get you excited. Here's all the adjectives that more abundantly means. What God truly wants to get to you. The very first definition of more abundantly. Exceeding some number or measure or rank. Over and above. More than is necessary. I love this word. Super added. Exceeding, abundantly, supremely. Something further, more, much more than all, more plainly. Superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon. Advantage, more imminent, more remarkable, and more excellent. That's what more abundantly means. That's the plan, that's the thing that God has always wanted to get to you in your life. I'm the door. Come into me and you'll be saved. You'll come to pasture. And when you go to pasture, you experience that Zoe life. And you experience more abundantly. It'll change your life when you encounter that Jesus. When you look at the perspective of Jesus talking in that moment. He said, everybody else who came before me, every prophet, Moses, Everything that came, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, everything that came before me were just thieves and robbers that were trying to get you away from me. And God sent His Son so that He could come back to you. Jesus is the door that if you enter and are able to experience a new life and a more abundant pasture that you can rest in. Jesus is saying to leave that works mentality, that old religion where you put God in a box and you let Him live through you. Just let Him live and experience something in your future that you've never experienced before in your past. Quit worrying about the rules and just get excited that God has the power and desire to heal you and restore you. The door is easy. Believe and open for your salvation. Amen. Let's stand up today. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, we thank you that you sent your son and he is the door that we can open and access right now. And when we open and access it, we experience life. We experience more abundantly, super added to our lives, to our finances, super added to our health super added to our relationship, super added in everything that we have you want for us. Father, I thank you that everyone here has the mind of Christ, that their body is the temple of the Most High God. Where you reside, no sickness or disease can reside there because by Jesus' stripes, we are already healed. Father, I thank you that it says in your word that right now we are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. We are blessed where we are right now and we're blessed in the future that you're bringing us into. Because we are your sons and daughters, the favor of God surrounds us like a shield. And everything we put our hands to must prosper in the name of Jesus. Finally, Father, I thank you that everyone here is the salt and light of the earth. We are a city set on a hill that refuses to be hidden. The same gospel message, the same door that we opened in our lives, Father, use us this week to go out. And tell people to go find that door. 
and experience how easy that door is to open. Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do this week and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much. See you all next Sunday. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.